2: we Las Vegas for the baseball betting podcast. Myself, Craig Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We are going to be having a great chat with one of our good friends, Jeff Sheesby, better known as the old man who bets. He's got a pair of plays that he likes for today, and we're also going to be chatting with him about the New York teams and whether or not they're going to be able to turn it on and which one we think has a better chance of making the postseason. Spoiler, not the one in the American League. So we're going to be having that chat in the second segment. Going to be a lot of fun. Jeff does great work over there with DraftKings, 137 p.m. CBS. In New York. List goes on and on. So have some fun there. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side turtle on every game on the betting board for this lovely Wednesday and a little something I like to call touch them All. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. And you got one or two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at your one. Keep in mind, letters ZM may mean does not matter. So as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions comments segment ideas what have you into there did not wind up getting in any questions today but we did have a great day of baseball on Tuesday so let's take a look back at it try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better
1: what happened yesterday let's go around the bases and find out
2: the San Francisco Giants just keep on getting it done time and time again two to one the final 63 and 37 through 100 games this year Once again, another bad night for the Giants is going to regress crowd as the LA Dodgers wind up having a Cody Bellinger fielding error really cost them, and one Julio Arias wound up having a very good start like the third time one of his starts have went under in his last 15, but gives up one run in five and two-thirds innings. Blake Dryan winds up taking the loss. He gives up an under run in one and a third innings. Jimmy Nelson, Brasuto, Gratterall, they combine for three outs out of the bullpen, scoreless and for the San Francisco Giants. Logan Webb is on an incredible run. He gives up one run over the course of six innings. He has now given up a combined five earned runs in his last six starts, so he is certainly getting it done. From there, Jarlin Garcia, Tyler Rogers, Jake McGee, they all give you scoreless innings. For the Giants, they go just 1 of 8 with men in scoring position, but they came up big where it counts, so they were able to get it done, and they were able to get a massive win. Speaking of being able to get a massive win, that's what the Milwaukee Brewers got in Pittsburgh, as the Pirates just before the game wind up trading the guy that was supposed to start this game, and Tyler Anderson, looks like he is on his way to Seattle. I was seeing some people that were saying that he was going to be going to Philadelphia, but it looks like Seattle is going to be his landing spot, and well, it didn't go well for the Pirates, they wind up losing by a count of 9-0. They had traded away a National League leader and hits Adam Frazier about 48 hours before this one as well. And Luis Oviedo gets a start. Boy, is this one that he doesn't want to remember. Gives up eight runs, six of which were earned in one inning. From there, Nick Mears gives you two scoreless innings. And Cody Ponce, give him some credit. Five scoreless innings. And Kyle Keller, he gives up a run in an inning. But for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they wind up getting four hits and no runs off of a game, in which was started by Brett Anderson. Six scoreless innings from him. Miguel De Sanchez, along with Hunter Strickland and... Jandel Gustave were able to give you a scoreless settings for the Brewers, and a pair of home runs, Rowdy us 7th home run of the season, Omir Dervais his ninth and the Brewers They are looking very good right now as they have now won three out of their last four. Speaking of looking very good, that is what the Atlanta Braves look like on Tuesday. They get a 12-5 win over the New York Metropolitans as Charlie Morton, not necessarily his best start, gives up three runs over the course of five innings, including a homer going deep off of him. Was Jeff McNeil, fifth homer on the season, and then Brandon Drury winds up getting his third homer on the season. Felt like we haven't said his name in quite a while, and hopefully we're never saying this guy's name again as a starter. How about Jared Eickhoff? Another terrible start. He gives up 10 runs in 3 and a 3rd innings including 3 home runs and 5 walks going deep for the Atlanta Braves Abraham Almonte his 4th home run of the season Ozzie Albies 17th home run of the season and then Austin Riley would go deep off of him for his 18th home run of the season and then he goes deep off of Yancy Diaz a little bit later for another bomb as Diaz he winds up giving up Two runs in two and two-thirds innings, including serving up the 19th of the season to Mr. Riley. For the Metropolitans, it got so bad that they wound up having to trot out Anthony Bonda once again, who wound up th- pitching two innings in the game on Monday. He gives you a scoreless inning, and Drew Smith, two scoreless innings off of him. And for the Atlanta Braves, both was able to do their job. Edgar Santana gives up two runs in two innings, and then Shane Green, Josh Tomlin. They both give you a scoreless inning. The New York Yankees. Looking to claw their way back into the playoff picture, they get a four-to-three win over the Tampa Bay Rays, and the big hit in this one comes off of an unlikely bat. Ryan Lamar, his second homer on the season, good for the rookie as. He winds up being able to take Jeffrey Springs deep, who goes two thirds of an inning, giving up a run. Andrew Kitchurch gives you a scoreless inning out of the bullpen, and then you wind up getting four outs of the bullpen out of Lewis Head without him giving up anything. Shane McClanahan gives up three runs over the course of six innings, and Brandon Lau he was able to get loud off of Chad Green, his twenty-second home run the season. As for Green. He's been faltering a little bit recently. He does give up two runs in an inning. And Jordan Montgomery got into a little bit of danger. Gives up five hits and three walks. But does not allow an earned run in five innings. So he was able to evade that. Aroldis Chapman looking like his old self. He was able to get a save in this one with a squirrel setting. Jonathan LeWise got a squirrel setting. And Zach Britton gives up a run in an inning. As the Yankees win this game despite leaving 11 men on base. So that was a much needed win after... Well, things did not wind up going well on Sunday at Fenway. The St. Louis Cardinals, things have not been going well for them, but they get a much-needed win over the Cleveland Indians to get back above 500 by a count of 4-2. pair of home runs for them in this one. Paul Young, 14th home run season. That comes off of Brian Shaw. And then Cal Quantrill serves one up to Harrison Bader, his ninth of the season for Quantrill. Not a bad start in this one. He gives up one run over the course of six innings. Shaw gives up two runs in an inning. And then Nick Sandlin gives you a scoreless inning. Phil Mate and Nick Wickren, they give up a combined one run in their inning of work. And for the Cleveland Indians, just not a lot doing on offense. Lone form of offense. Jose Ramirez. He goes deep off of Adam Wainwright for his 21st home run of the season in the fourth, and that's all that they would be able to get. Wainwright, who has been struggling on the road, north of a 5 ERA on the road this year, gives up two runs in seven innings. He brought it Alex Reyes, 24th save of the season. He still has a sub-2 ERA and Giovanni Gallegos gives you a scoreless inning as well. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, a team that has certainly had their trials and tribulations recently, offense seems to be getting online as they have now scored at least four runs in three out of their last four games. Very good sign for them. It was a very good sign for the Chicago White Sox to be able to get off the schneid to get a win over the Kansas City Royals by a count of 5-3. They had lost three out of their last four. And for the White Sox, pair of home runs in this one. Gavin Cheats, sixth home run of the season. And Eloy Jimenez, who wound up spending nearly 100 games on the injured list, his first home run of the season. You love to see that. Dylan Cease gives up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of six innings. He was hurt by an Andrew Vaughn fielding error, but by and large, he was able to do his part. And then Liam Hendricks, Michael Kopech, and One of my favorite names, Rinaldo Lopez. I'll give you a scoreless inning out of the bullpen as for the Royals. Brad Keller is all of a sudden starting to put it together. He gives up one run over the course of seven innings. He has now given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last four, going six plus innings in every one of them. So he did his part. Bullpen lit this game on fire. Kyle Zimmer... And Jake Brents wind up combining for an inning. They both give up two runs apiece in that eighth. Josh out it will give you a scoreless inning, but needless to say, not what they were looking for. Few wound up having the Minnesota Twins and the under. Oh, goodness, this was a terrible one. The Detroit Tigers enter into the ninth inning down by a count of 5-1. to one. They get a grand slam off the bat of Eric Hoffs off of Victor Robles to tie the game, and then they win it in the 11th, 6-5 is absolutely brutal as Tyler Alexander. He was brutal out there on the mound. He gives up five runs over the course of four innings, giving up a pair of home runs. Going deep, Mitch Garver, 11th home run the season. Williams Estadio winds up getting his fifth. And then from there, Michael Fulmer, a scoreless inning. Irasimota Mira three scoreless settings. Kyle Funkhouser brings a Funk for an inning, a scoreless inning. Jose Cicerno, Daniel Norris, both give you a scoreless inning as well. This for a Tigers bullpen that is in the bottom five with regards to ERA this season. Minnesota Twins, they got a good start out Kentamaeda. He gives up a solo home run over the course of six and a third innings. Being able to take him deep was Akil Badu, 10th home run season, but he brought it. And then the bullpen wound up not doing their job. Ty Duffy gives you a scoreless inning you two-thirds of an inning, and then Enzo Robles he comes in for the save, gives up four runs in two-thirds of an inning. Caleb Theobar gives you a scoreless tenth, and then Ore Alcala he winds up coming in for four outs, gives up an run in the 11th. That costs them, and for the Minnesota Twins, 1 of 12 with men in scoring position. A bad year for them just continues to get worse and worse. It has not been a great year if you've been betting on the San Diego Padres opponents whenever they've been at home, and the Padres get it done once again at home. 7 to 4 the final. The Oakland A's Get up in this one by a count of 3-0. to zero. That was spearheaded by the fact that they wind up going 3 of 12 with Ben in scoring position. And then Sean Murphy would go deep off of Drew Pomerantz for his 13th home run of the season in the 8th. But for the Padres, they wind up putting up a 5 spot in the 5th. That was thanks to a big home run off the bat of Manny Machado's 18th home run the season. Earlier in the game, Fernando Tatis Jr. would drive in new addition Adam Frazier for his 31st home run of the season. And for Chris Paddock, got into a lot of trouble in this one. He gives up 9 hits and in 6 innings, but only gives up 3 runs. He's able to get the W in the process. Tim Emilio Pagan both give you a combined scoreless inning. Mark Melanson gets another save. His league-leading 30th as he winds up giving you a scoreless inning. Pomerantz gives up a run in an inning out of the bullpen. But for the Oakland A's, James James Caprillion, who had given up four runs or fewer in each out of his first 12 starts, gives up six in four and a third innings in this one. he Petit He goes two-thirds of an inning, giving up a run from there. Birch Smith, two scoreless innings. And Deolis Carrera winds up giving you a scoreless inning as well. You were able to get quite a few scoreless innings out of the Reds. Not so many had the Chicago Cubs, 7-4. The Cincinnati Reds were able to get the W in this one. For the Reds, Joey Votto goes deep not once but twice. He set a home run in each out of his last four games, 16th and 17th of the season. Eugenio Suarez is able to get his 19th home run season, and Jesse Winker is 21st. Vladimir Gutierrez. The rookie was able to give you six and a third innings, giving up two runs in the process. Now, you did wind up having a pair of solo shots given up by Edgar Garcia. He Gets one out, gives up two runs in the process. Jeff Hoffman, he gives you a squirrel saying, Sean Doolittle, well, he was doing a whole lot for you as he winds up not giving up any runs in his two-thirds of an inning. And Amir Garrett comes back after that Javi Baez walk-off on Monday, and he was able to close the deal in the ninth inning. And for the Chicago Cubs, Ed Bear Alzley gives up, Three of those four home runs, giving up four runs over the course of five innings. And Winkler gives up a solo shot in his inning of work. Kyle Ryan gives up two runs in two innings to Dill Maples. A scoreless inning of his own. And going deep for the Cubs. Gotta wonder if it's going to be the last home run in a Cubs uniform for either Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, or both. For Bryant, his 18th home run season. For Rizzo, his 14th. And Patrick Wisdom gets his 15th home run season. Impressive considering he's got right around 150 at bats. So he certainly has been able to do his part. Speaking of being able to do their part, the Miami Marlins were able to do their part in continuing the losing of the Baltimore Orioles. 7 3, the final is this one. For the Miami Marlins, Cindy Alcantara. Not necessarily the world's greatest start. He gives up three runs over the course of six innings, but it certainly was far from terrible. Gave up a pair of home runs. Austin the his kid, 10th home run season. Cedric Mullins, his 17th. He was much better than Spencer Watkins, who gives up four runs in four innings, including a home run to San León for León. He was able to get a third home run in the season. Bullpen gives up a pair of home runs from there. Brian Anderson goes deep off of Adam Plutko, his fifth home run in the season. And Luis Diaz was able to get a third home run in the season. That comes off of Sean Anderson. Anderson gives up that solo shot in two innings. Plutko gives up one run in one inning. And then you wind up having two innings out of Mr. Connor Green. He gives up one run in his MLB debut. And for the Miami Marlins, Bullpen was flawless in this one. Anthony Bass, Anthony Bender, Dylan Flora all give you a scoreless inning. So the Marlins able to get it done. Washington Nationals get it done. They go on the road and take down the Philadelphia Phillies by a count of 6-4. Interesting that Trey Turner down for what wound up getting one at bat in this one and then was promptly pulled. Looks like he might be the subject of some trade talks. We are unsure about that. But what I am sure of is that Juan Soto is not getting traded at the deadline, and he went deep for his 18th home run season, including his 7th since the All-Star break. That comes off of Matt, give me some more. Matt, give me some more. Well, he gave up some more as he winds up giving up a home run to Josh Bell as well, as Bell has been able to get on a little bit of a hot streak as well. That is his 16th home run of the season. For more, he gave up all six runs that the Nationals would score in the course of four innings, from there, the bullpen was actually decent. Jose Alvarado, Connor Brogdon, and Yaniel De Los Santos i will give you a scoreless setting. Chase Anderson makes his first appearance since May, and he buys to give you two scoreless settings. Perhaps that'll be exactly what the Phillies need to push themselves over the top to be able to make a run post-All-Star break, but he was able to give you two scoreless settings and the Phillies. Overall, still 10 games above 500 at home. On the road, it's been a little bit different, but not a good night for them. Arizona Diamondbacks just have not been having a good time of it in general. This is our team that has sixteen and fifty-eight in their last seventy-two games. They fall to the Texas Rangers by a count of five to four. The Rangers had scored four runs or fewer, by the way, in each other last 14 games going into this. The Diamondbacks, clearly the get-right solution as Taylor Widener, three two-thirds innings from him. He gives up five runs, all of which weren't, including home run. Bullpen from there was not bad. Matt Peacock, two scoreless innings. No Ramirez, a scoreless inning. Brett Guys gives you four outs out of the bullpen as well, and for the years in the Diamondbacks. They go just two of four with men in scoring position as Dane Dunning, he was able to get her Dunning. Gives up two runs in six and a third innings. His ERA at home is more than half Half of what it is on the road. Joe Barlow from there. Two outs out of the bullpen. Spencer Patton does give up two runs in two-thirds of an inning, but Joey Rodriguez closes out the eighth, and then Ian Kennedy gets a 16th save of the season with a scoreless ninth, and going for the Rangers. Joey Gallo, 25th home run of the season, but first since the All-Star break. A team that was able to get things going on Tuesday as well. That would be the Colorado Rockies. They wind up taking down the LA Angels by a count of 12-3 for the Angels this was not a good start from one. Jose Suarez, who is doing a great job out of the bullpen. Ever since getting elevated to being a starter, his ERA has ballooned. He gives up eight runs, four of which were earning three and a third innings, including home run. And I will say, Fielding did not do him any favors. Jack Mayfield, a pair of errors, and you had Jose Iglesias committed an error as well, but for the Colorado Rock, he's going deep off of him. Brandon Roger's seventh home run of the season. Sam Hilliard his fourth of the campaign, and Austin Gomber gave a very good start, giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Justin Lawrence, he does give up a run in a third of an inning. Tyler Kinley he goes five outs, not giving up a single run in Zach Roskup, a scoreless ninth inning. Meanwhile, for the LA Angels, you did wind up getting a home run off the bat of Shohei Otani. His league leading 36th, Too bad he can't pitch every single day because they needed more of it. You end up having Andrew Watts, the gentleman that came up from the AAA a few weeks ago. Gives up two runs in one and two-thirds innings. Junior Garrett gives up two runs in two innings. Mike Myers was able to give you a scoreless inning, and so did Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton, now with a career zero ERA position player, a scoreless inning. So you love to see that, and you just love to see what the Mariners have been able to do all season long. But they are unable to get it done in this incidents against the Houston Astros. 8-6, 8-6, a final for the Houston Astros. They were able to get to Chris Flexen, a guy that had given up two runs or fewer in all but one of his home starts so far this year. Regression set in. He gives up seven runs over the course of four innings, including a home run. Green for the Astros in this one. Jordan Alvarez, 19th home run season. Lance McCullers Jr. did not wind up having the world's greatest start either. He does give up four runs over the course of six innings, including a home run to Kyle Seeger. 20th home run of the season. Abraham Toro, who just got traded from the Houston Astros to the Seattle Mariners. He gets a 7th home run the season off of Ryan Presley in the ninth inning to give the Seattle Mariners a little bit of life as they tried to come back from being down 8-4. to four. That winds coming off of closer Ryan Presley. And Presley gives up two runs in his inning of work, but Blake Taylor, Ryan Sanik, they were both able to give you a scoreless inning for the Seattle Mariners. You get scoreless innings out of Josh Smith, Casey Sadler, Ryan Weber, and Hector Santiago. Gives up one run over the course of two innings, but for the Mariners, they've got the second-best record in baseball, I believe, the last month, and the Astros are number one with that regard. It's been a great run. They were unable to get it done in this instance, though, and if you're looking at not being able to get it done, that's what's happened if you've been taking unders ever since the All-Star break. We wound up seeing that wild Friday coming out of the break. Over the last seven days, though, We have seen 30 overs and 52 unders. That is a clip of about 64% to the under. If you're looking at favorites over the last seven days, they are hitting 52 to 36. So that's right around a 59% clip somewhere in that range. Home teams in that time span, 50 and 38. So they've been doing relatively well. If you're looking at home teams in general, the last three days, they've been able to do a very solid job. 195 and 151, that's about a 56.5% win rate. Favorites overall, 204 and 139. So they're hitting at about 59.5% the last three days. In the last three days, we have seen 161 overs and 167 unders. So about 51% of games are going under. And if you're looking at the season to date, you've got a very, very tight niff over and under rate. 718 overs, 718 unders. These guys are pretty good at doing their job when it comes to setting totals. Favorites in that time span, 873 and 616. So favorites overall for the year, hitting at about 58.6%. And home teams, hitting at about 55.5%, 833 and 669. So that's what we all wound up seeing from Major League Baseball on Tuesday. And now let's turn the page forward to Wednesday, Jeff Sheesby. Gonna be breaking out a couple games with me. We're gonna be discussing with them the New York teams as well. That is on the other side with the old man who bets right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson.
1: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline.
2: And we're back here above you, Las Vegas with the Baseball Baking Podcast. Myself, Craig Peterson. It is great to be joined by our guest Says he does a terrific job giving out free plays on Twitter, much like myself, and does work with a wide variety of different platforms. You're able to catch him if you're out there in the great state of New York on the CBS affiliate over there. 1.37 p.m. is where he publishes quite a bit of his content. He does some work with DraftKings, Action Network list goes on and on as we've got jeff aka the old man who bets joining me on the podcast and to be able to follow jeff on twitter you're able to do so at old man who bets and jeff it is great to have you aboard thank you so much for joining me
0: greg thanks for having me as always brother
2: you make me smile you make me blush every time with
0: us intros i appreciate the kind words and of course having me back what is this the third the fourth maybe the fifth time at this point
2: It has been quite a few times this baseball season, and it is always great to get you aboard. I know that you do some great work with some of our other friends, like the Odds Fellows, Sharky Waters Nation, the list goes on and on. You're in with the good guys, so we always like that. And we always love to be able to take a look at some teams that might have some value moving forward. Obviously, mentioned it at the outset that you're from the state of New York what do you make out of the Mets and the Yankees at this point? Because I do think that the Mets are the best team out there in the National League East, but at the same time, I think that they could use a player or two at the deadline to be able to bolster things, whether that be in the lineup or a rotation, which guys just have not gotten healthy. Guys have been going down in general because you know that the Phillies are probably going to be making some sort of a move if they have yet to already. As we're doing this, it seems like, they might be trading for Tyler Anderson. And then when it comes to the Yankees, I think yeah, it's just a lost because I just don't think that there's any way to make the postseason. Not sure what your thoughts are on these two teams moving forward, but I do think that we're going to be seeing one of the New York teams in the postseason. It's not necessarily the traditional one.
0: Yeah, you know, not thrilled about that. I think he's fan myself, but you know, the Mets look good, right? You know, they're struggling with injuries. It seems like that's kind of been the storyline of the starting rotation for the last couple of years. We've got DeGrom on the IL. We've got Carrasco still on the 60-day. Peterson's on the 60 day we got Syndergaard hopefully coming back sooner than later so it looks like they'll be a buyer for sure I know they've been talking rumors about Jose Barrios out in Minnesota which would be a huge acquisition for them and you know I think it's going to be interesting you know kind of coming down especially in the division here pretty tight you've got the Mets in first the Phillies three and a half games back the Braves at five And I think the Braves are the team to watch here honestly Greg they're plus 38 in terms of overall run differential that's best in the division by, uh, what is it, 27 runs. The Mets here at plus 11, the Phillies at minus 22. So if the Braves can shore up kind of the back end of the bullpen, you know, they just sent Minter down to AAA. Hopefully he can figure it out. I think he was leading the league in holds, but did have something like a 4.5 ERA. I think they'll be a team to watch. And, you know, my Yankees, man, deep sigh. We're nine and a half games back right now. And honestly, that's just because all these other teams have been mashing. You got the Blue Jays. We're 10 and a half games back with, a killer plus 85 run differential. Boston in first, plus 69. The Rays in second at plus 92. And the Yankees in third here at plus five. You know, one of these things is not like the other. And, you know, it just seems – I obviously watch a lot of Yankee games. It just seems like when everything can go wrong, it does. When the starting pitching is on, then, you know, the hitters are nowhere to be found. When the hitters are on, the bullpen implodes. It's, there's you know, seven or eight games that we can look into the last three innings. That we gave up at least a three run lead, you know, a couple five run leads blown in the ninth, you know, pretty hard to stomach. But I don't know, maybe there'll be a miracle when the bats will wake up and then the pitching will just kind of even itself out. I wouldn't ever count this team out, especially if they buy a Joey Gallo or somebody along those lines who can just hit a couple, you know, pitching wedge into the short porch out there. They might get the offensive output they need. But as of right now, it's been tough. It has been nice seeing a lot of these young guns come up and like contact baseball. We had some sack flies, we had some sack bunts, things that we were not seeing much of in the first eight games here, other than strikeouts and terrible base running. So I'd say I'm cautiously optimistic, but I am a serial optimist. So the Mets for sure look like the team that would be the lock of New York to make it into the playoffs.
2: Yeah, and when you take a look at this bunch, as we do have Jeff Sheesby joining me on the podcast, aka the old man who bets, the good news is they're getting plus money going up against Michael Walk of the Tampa Bay Rays, or as he's known on this podcast, because He's not necessarily great, so we give him the dying Pac-Man voice treatment. It's Michael (laughs) Waka-Waka-Waka-Waka, as I like to put it. So, hey, Nestor Cortez, a guy that has been able to give this team some solid innings at between plus 120 and plus 125. Might want to see it a little bit more, but at minimum, it's going to make me think twice about betting on the Tampa Bay Rays in this spot because I actually do think that Cortez might be able to give this team a halfway decent outing. Yeah, it's
0: going to be interesting, man. The Rays have just absolutely owned the Yankees in the last three years. I mean, there was something like an 11-0 winning streak at one point, so I don't like that. I was just looking, again, at the run differential here. Something that is interesting to me, you know, again, kind of the rhetoric around the Yankees is that everything is going wrong. They are 11th in the league in terms of total runs allowed. That's pretty good. Obviously, it's not very good when you look at runs scored. So, again, if we can get these bats hitting, play some good baseball for once, stop hitting in double plays, stop getting thrown out while trying to steal, I mean, again... They're like JV level fundamentals that we're talking about here. Hopefully Boone can figure it out. But, you know, just in the history of the Rays series in the last two years, it's hard to take them at all. I'm not going to touch it. That would be betting with my heart. Fading them would also honestly probably be betting just against my heart. So I'm, I'm struggling to find a, an analytical approach that isn't clouded by my overall fandom when either betting on or against the Yankees, honestly, at this point. So I'm just going to ride that one in misery and hopefully we turn it around. <laughs> if you have a play on that side, I would definitely defer to your analysis.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game. What else is going to be very interesting is the two teams with the most losses in baseball entering into the week are going to be doing battle in the great state of Texas. Everything is bigger in Texas, and apparently the amount of losses is as well this week, as you've got the Arizona and the Diamondbacks taking on the Texas Rangers. Rangers, currently a very slave favorite over the Arizona Diamondbacks with a total of nine. Right now, I'm seeing Jordan Lyles going for the Rangers, but I know that he's been subject to a couple trade rumors. Who would want Jordan Lyles at this point? I have absolutely no idea, considering he's second in the league and giving up home runs. And for Madison Baumgartner, this is going to be his first start on the road since May, and in that May start, he wound up giving up a touchdown to the Colorado Rockies. Not sure how you're taking a look at this one, but certainly, I think this total of nine seems a tad low. Yeah, Greg, I'm looking for the Diamondbacks
0: here. Ideally, first five. I'm seeing that line right now at minus 105 on DraftKings. So that'll be interesting. You know, we look at recent trends here. Texas has lost their last 12, 0-10, last 10. The Diamondbacks, I'm showing life. That could be a little too generous here. But they are 5-5 five and five in their last 10 there as well. And I think there's a lot to like about good old Madison Baumgarner here, especially coming off of that injury. You know, looking at let's just go matchup data here, Lyles versus Baumgarner against these starting lineups, both are kind of league average in terms of weight and on base percentage. Baumgarner's at .306. league average is .320. Lyles is .348. Both in terms of isolated power, a metric of raw power, how often that you're giving up extra base hits. Both these guys pretty much the same as well, one twenty-eight and one twenty-seven. A wash. Things get interesting though when we look at fielding independent of pitching, a statistic that is assuming league average results in the field rather than the actual outcome of it. Similar to ERA, bomb gunner right here against this squad is point zero nine one. Lyles is point four zero. But. Again, looking right into this 2020, Baumgart has been inconsistent, no doubt, but since returning from this injury, he's pitched 11 innings with two earned runs, five total runs, which again, kind of just gives a comment on how mediocre Arizona is. Nonetheless, that is something that I do like. You know, looking at the season stats, 5.09 ERA compared to a 4.7 expected FIP. Pretty pedestrian, but what I was looking at on this handicap here is his K per nines, his walk per nines, and his home runs per nine compared to recent season that he's been really good. And that was drew me right to 2017 and 2019, where you had Baumgartner at a 3.26 ERA, 2019 at a 3.9 ERA. And the K per nines will go 2017, 2019, 2020 here, 8.19, 8.80, 8.79. So they've only gotten better essentially over the last three years. Home runs per nine, pretty much the same as well. 1.38, 1.30, 1.40. This season, and really the only thing that's resulted negatively for Baumgartner compared to these three years is his walks per nine has increased 1.62, 1.86 and 2.42 here. But I don't think that that stat, honestly, Greg, is all that significant in the 10 starts he's had this year. He's had two that were absolutely abysmal where he had four walks. He's had two starts that had one walk of piece, and he's had six starts with zero walks. So if the control of those statistics is the walks, he's only had one walk in his last eleven innings. You know, coming back from this injury. So I love that. You know, looking on the other side of the ball here, we got Jordan Lyles. You already said it. Who would want Jordan Lyles? Not me for sure. Since 621, essentially the crackdown and sticky stuff, he's been one of the worst pitchers in the league when looking at the K per walk ratio, 14th worst of all starters and a 10.7%. Just for comparison's sake, Nola has been the best in the league with a 33.3 K to walk ratio. Garrett Cole obviously a homer on that one but he's been pretty solid as well 11th and 23% so that is certainly an eye opening statistic for Wiles he's also been overperforming since 621 which i love he's looking at a 4.25 ERA compared to a 5.46 FIP so a lot of room for regression there and then it comes to full game versus first five here you know the only problem with this bet ultimately is that both these teams stink You have two bad teams. Bad teams do bad things, which often is a ninth-inning blown save or a sixth-inning spot from your bullpen. And this is where it really scares me. The bullpens here are absolutely abysmal, especially Arizona, 29th in terms of expected FIP. 28th in ERA. Texas here is 13th in expected FIP. So that is a very large delta here. So end of the day, I think Madison's going to pitch pretty well here. And they are pretty good in in terms, a slight increase in terms of first five runs per game. Arizona is 25 compared to Texas is 30. There is also a large delta in terms of hits per game. Arizona 15th in the league versus Texas at 30. So I'm hoping that they're going to hit early, score more runs. They also strike out less, which is good. And I'm just going to avoid that bullpen at all costs. So I'm looking at Arizona Diamondbacks backing Madison, Two bad teams playing, but I think he's going to have a good outing right now that's looking at minus 105.
2: Yeah, it certainly is going to be fascinating to look at this one just because with the Rangers, where they do have an advantage is the bullpen. So if you are looking to back the Diamondbacks, it would probably be first five or nothing at all for me personally because Madison Baumgartner, to your point, coming off the injured list, has looked very solid. And how many times have we seen it with the Arizona Diamondbacks? They wind up getting a good start out of Madison Baumgartner, Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly, and then the bullpen just lights the game on fire. So it is something to take a look at. It also something to take a look at going into Tuesday. The Rangers have scored four runs or fewer in 13 out of their last 14 games. So you've got a whole lot going on here. Not much of it is good, but you know what? It's a good old situation of something's got to give. As we do have Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. The Old Man Who Bets, joining me on the podcast. And Jeff, I know that you're looking at... Another game as well, you've got the Minnesota Twins and the Detroit Tigers on the card. Once again, pair of teams has not necessarily went well for them, but I will say the Tigers have shown some good fight. They do wind up getting swept over the weekend against the Kansas City Royals. But by and large, I do like what I've seen out of this team. It's going to be Willie Peralta going for them and J.A. Happ. Typically, you like to say Hap Hap whenever he does well. This year, it's been a lot of Hap Hap Boo for him. Seeing a total of 10.5, <laughs> we're seeing the Minnesota Twins right around minus 150. I know you've got something on this one, and I don't think it's an under. No, it's certainly
0: not. It's an over, and honestly, it feels a little too obvious, and that's always a concern. But it is at 10.5 minus 120 on DraftKings right now. This is a 110 start early game. Nice little you know, afternoon matinee action. And you know the short of it here is that neither of these pitchers, I think, are inspiring much confidence. And I also think Peralta is one of the most fatable pitchers in the league right now. The wheels finally came off for him in the last start. But nonetheless, he has been overperforming so, so hard. So we look at this 2020 matchup data here. You know, Peralta, again, he's better than the league average when we look at the matchup data that he's working at, which I just skipped over because none of it is particularly inspiring and the sample sizes are rather small. But we look at his season stat here, stats here. He gave up five earned runs on five hits and three walks last outing. Before that, he had seven starts total, four in which he allowed zero runs, one in which he allowed one run. And then he had one clunker here with the five earned runs. So he's been great, objectively great. He's got a 2.56 ERA. That is elite at that point. But thank goodness there are a lot of numbers here that suggest that the regression is coming and it is coming hard. His batting average on balls in play, league average is a 300. He's at 185. He's getting very lucky there, again, indicating that he's been overperforming an ERA versus expected FIP, one of my favorite comparisons to make when handicapping baseball. 2.56 2.56 versus 4.65. That's a whole two plus run difference there. And you know the best part about Peralta here, Greg, is it's not like he's new to the league, right? If he was a hot shot, you know, rookie or whatever, we would take a lot of these stats with a grain of salt. But we can look back on his previous seasons to kind of find similarities and differences and figure out what the outlier outlier is. So similar to what I did with Baumgartner, I looked at some of his K per nine. And walk per nine rates. And they're almost identical to so 2019, which is the last time he pitched. In, in 2019, his K per nine was 5.36, a relatively mediocre number. 2020, almost identical 5.35. Walks per nine, has improved a little bit here, but nonetheless, 2019, 4.24, not a good number, and 2020, 3.26. So when you look at the difference between his overall ERA in those years, it, in that 2019 year, it was a 5.8 ERA with a 5.76 expected FIP, same K per nine, more or less the same walk per nine. And all of a sudden, he's got a 2.56 ERA this year. I mean, he is throwing a split finger at 8% more than he ever has in his career, up from 12% to 20%. But nonetheless, I don't think an 8% increase on a pitch that is a secondary or tertiary pitch here is really going to account for that three run improvement in ERA. Combo that with the fact that Minnesota is 12 in runs per game. They're 10th in strikeouts per game, so they don't strike out too often. And, you know, Peralta at 5.35 here is not making it any many Ks anyway. And Minnesota's number four in home runs per game. Those are all stats that simply just do not reflect their overall record or run differential, really. But I think that is just shaping up for an absolute juicy performance from these minnesota twins and and we get to ja hat my man you know he's having the worst season of his career quite literally since 2007 and in 2007 he only pitched four innings the first year in the league right now he's looking at a 6.14 era mediocre He has his lowest K per nine ratio since 2009, his highest home run per nine stats since that first season. His walk per nine is slightly below his career average. That's pretty much the only perk here. But, you know, I think Kat maybe gets a little lucky that Detroit isn't exactly the best hitting team, but they're also not the worst. They are 17th in runs per game. They're also 14th in first five runs per game, which is nice because they've been hitting starters well. So I I think that bodes well. And then we get to the bullpens. Both of these have been mediocre again. I think it's almost a flattering term to use for these. I didn't think it would be able to get much worse. We talked about in the Diamondback Rangers game. But here we've got Detroit number 27 in ERA at 5.14. And Minnesota's bullpen also just as bad, 25 in ERA. And Taylor Rogers just had a strained finger out for an indefinite amount of time, I believe. Should at least be out tomorrow. if so they lose their best closer. They've got Robles, but he's been inconsistent. Long story short, I've got a pitcher that is overperforming big time and a pitcher who just stinks with two bad bullpens, an above-average Minnesota-hitting team, even though the record doesn't reflect it, and hopefully half is just bad enough that the Tigers will hit. They have been playing well their last 10 games. I believe they're six and four in that time frame. Give me the overall day over ten and a half.
2: Certainly has been a rough run for those that have been betting Twins unders as they were the only team going into this week with north of 60% of their games going over. And for the Detroit Tigers, ever since the beginning of the month of June, this has been an above-average offense after they were very anemic. Guys like Jonathan Scope and Company, as the guy that we might wind up seeing come up in the trade deadline if the Tigers do wind up selling. They have been able to do a solid job. And speaking of someone that does a very solid job, that'd be you, Jeff. You do an absolutely terrific job over there with the CBS affiliate in New York, 137 p.m. I know you do some things with the Dad Bods podcast as well. List goes on and on. Love to get people at home know what you've got going on right now and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms.
0: Yeah, Greg, thanks as always for having me, man. Always a data driven conversation around baseball, and that's always such a beautiful thing. You can get me at Old Man Who Bets on Twitter, OldManWhoBets.com for merch, things along those lines xxx chernobyl a rebrand for those absolute nuclear plays a fake tout service but that's neither here nor there and that's about it brother you know great day for a great day as always always trying to build by one unit at a time and hopefully we'll do that maybe a 2 0 slate starting at 1 p.m the afternoon martin a crack some cocktails early i don't know i'm getting ahead of myself here man but i'm
2: excited it should be a great day of baseball and you know what things are great in general all august long we're gonna have some great baseball betting we're going to have the nfl coming back in early september college football is back into our lives and hey as we all know in november college basketball as well which that has me all fired up i know that jeff covers a little bit of everything and does so also while well out there in the great state of new york so big thanks to jeff for joining me right here on the baseball betting podcast and coming up next it is that time podcasting the sign turtle on every game on the betting board for this wednesday and a little something like to call touch them all
1: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. As we're off to a quality start, and now it's time to walk it off in a grand
0: fashion.
2: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to get our man Jeff Sheesby, aka the old man who bets on the podcast. So big thanks to him. Now it is that time. The podcast to give you signed total on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday and a little something like call touch them all
1: if a game is listed on the betting board greg has a side and a total on it so it is time to touch
2: them all do note that as per usual we are going to be going in las vegas rotation order with these and any changes that are made will be made to the spreadsheet along with my twitter timeline at grs41 and how rotation order works is that it goes National League games first then the american league games are up after that and then any interleague games are going to be at the bottom. So. Keeps things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. We've currently got one game that is off the betting board, and these are subject to a little bit of change because, as we know, trade deadline moves are happening left, right, and sideways. So, I will be keeping you guys abreast of that as well. But we are going to be beginning with that first national game. 901, 902 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers hit the road to face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirates are walking the plank with a 2B determined starter. Right now, the betting board has Adrian Hauser listed for the Brewers. ESPN.com has Eric Lauer listed for the Milwaukee Brewers. So we've got a whole lot of mystery here. Now, whether it be Hauser or Lauer, they are going to be a sizable favorite with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Who knows what they're going to be throwing out there because they went with, you don't mess with the Luis Oviedo yesterday as their starter. They got one inning out of him, and he gave up six runs, which means that their bullpen is completely depleted. Looks like they could go with someone like Cody Ponce, who's got an ERA that is not good for his career. He's giving up north of two home runs for nine innings. And the Pittsburgh Pirates, a few days ago, wound up training away the league leader in it's at Adam Frazier. So, you've got a lot going on there. You take a look at the Pirates lineup from yesterday. You had two guys sitting above a 265 at night's end. And one of those guys has a small sample size and John Nagowski Been able to get quite a bit of something out of Brian Reynolds. But who knows if he winds up getting traded. 18 home runs for him. He's hitting a 311. He's been terrific. And Brian Hayes is someone that you've got to think that they're going to be relying upon moving forward. He's hitting right around 260. He's been relatively solid. Ben Gamble's been able to give this team a little bit of something. And then with the Brewers, ever since the William Adams trade, they have been much better on offense. Going into yesterday, averaging right around 4.9 runs per game. Now that's like 5 runs per game with the outburst that they wound up having against the Pittsburgh Pirates since the beginning of June and for Mr. Adamas, he's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers ever since getting to Milwaukee. Omir Nervais goes deep yesterday. He's got right around 385 on base. They are dealing with Christian Yelich being out of the fold, but Christian Yelich only has six home runs so far this year, and is hitting right around 235. I recognize that his on-base is relatively solid, but now you've got Lorenzo Cain in the fold as well. He's not necessarily been the world's greatest hitter of the last few years, wound up opting out the 2020 season about a few weeks into it, but certainly a guy that's able to play the field. Luis Odias has been dealing with injuries. He's back. He's got a 330 on-base along with Lorenzo Cain and then Colt Wong. He's been able to do a great job at the front end of the lineup, hitting right around 295, with the Brewers accruing such a good lead yesterday as well. You were able to save your trustworthy arms, like a Devin Williams, who just wound up coming off the injured list, Josh Hader as well, so these guys are going to be fresh. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they wound up using up a little bit of everyone. Going to be surprised if I wind up going with a total any lower than 9.5 that I'd be taking a look at the overhead. I think I would need double digits to even begin to entertain an under and the Brewers should be a relatively sizable favorite whether it is Lauer or Adrian Hauser. You take a look at Eric Lauer and he has been giving up a couple runs this season but take a look at his last four starts. He's given up a combined 200 runs in those so he's actually looked very solid with that regard. And then you take a look at Adrian Hauser as well. He's been able to do a relatively solid job for this team. He certainly does have his ups and his downs but... Overall as a three hundred eighty eighty ERA has given up one run or fewer in three out of his last four starts earned runs because he wound up giving up a couple unearned runs against the Cincinnati Reds, but by and large it been able to rain it in. The four walks per nine innings, a little bit of a concern there, but the Brewers going to be a sizable favorite in this spot, and with the total, probably going to be setting it right around like a 9.5-ish, depending on what the Pirates wind up trotting out there. We move on to 903-904 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Washington Nationals, and they're hitting the road to face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is going to be going for the Phillies. Meanwhile, the Nationals tried out their Patrick Corbin. Your total on this game is 8. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The unders is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. If you're taking a look at the Phillies, you're going to be finding them as a pretty big favorite here. Anywhere between minus 174 and minus 184. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Nets, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 155 and plus 169. Wanda making the Phillies a minus 187 favorite with the Nationals. They want of trading Trey Turner down for what it appears because he wound up getting pulled out of the game on Tuesday. I'm doing this as I don't know exactly where Trey Turner is going to be going, but I'm doing this as he wound up getting pulled from the game yesterday. So that is very intriguing to say the least. A man that is on pace right now for a 30-30 season. So that is going to affect them. Gerardo Parra is probably going to be taking his place. He wound up being able to come into the game for the Washington Nationals there. So you've got a lot of interesting stuff going on with that regard. You've also been... Looking to Carter Keeboom for at-bats. He's a guy that has been a highly touted prospect for years for the Washington Nationals, has yet to be well able to put it together. You've got Josh Harrison, Alcides Escobar, in between a 280 and a 290, and Trace Barrera, who's currently playing the catcher spot for the injured Young Gomes. He's in that realm as well. And Juan Soto has been absolutely amazing for this team. He's got seven home runs since the All-Star break. His on-base percentage is right around 425. But what is going to be provided around he and Josh Bell wound up going deep yesterday for his 16th home run this season is any. One's guess. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. Bryce Harper has been able to do a very solid job for getting on base. He's got a 400 on base, 523 slugging. Rob Miz 14 out of his 15 home runs so far this year have been solo shots. Gene Segura's hitting at 315 for this bunch. Got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up with the bat. You've got Andrew McCutcheon, Reese Hoskins, ZD Gregorius, Odu Herrera. All inning between a 216 and a 240, but for McCutcheon, 355 on base, 15-plus home runs, Reese Hoskins, 20-plus home runs, and then you've got Odubo Herrera, who wound up looking very good in late May and into June, and then has just really fallen off a cliff since then with the Philadelphia Phillies. Matt, give me some more. Well, he was able to give up more runs yesterday, so the Phillies bullpen a little bit expended right now, but J.D. Hammer is someone that I like for this team. Hector Neris is just absolutely terrible, but I do like what I've seen out of Ranger Suarez as well. And then you take a look at the Washington Nationals, going to be interesting to see if they trade away someone like a Brad Ann. Kyle Finnegan has been someone that has been relatively solid. And Ryan Harper, look at this guy, 0.54 ERA so far this year, so he's been able to hold down the fort both with Patrick Corbin. This guy's been a hot mess, and that's putting it very politely, as he's got a 571 ERA, he's given up 1.7 home runs per 9 innings, and on the road, he has just been absolutely terrible on the road so far this year. A 6.13 ERA, one and five record. giving up ten bombs in 47 innings. and opponents, are at 2.76 off of him. Meanwhile, Zach Wheeler and Dylan Wheeler. He's given up about a half a home run per nine innings. His walks per nine is right around two. He has been dominant at home with a 2.09 ERA across 12 starts. He's got 100 strikeouts in 82 innings at home. Opponents are a at buck 95 on him. This is just a complete and utter mismatch. This is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at that Phillies run line, which I'm currently finding at plus money between plus 110 and plus 115. We are certainly riding with that. And with the total set at 8.1, I think that Zach Wheeler is going to be able to do a tremendous job, but Patrick Corbin is going to get destroyed. So taking the over along with the Philadelphia Phillies run line, 9-5, 9-6 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves hit the face off against the New York Metropolitans. Tyler McGill is going to be going for the Mets. Max Fried is going to be going for the Atlanta Braves. Your total on this game is 8 Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The unders anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you're looking at the Metropolitans, anywhere between minus 116 and minus 123 is your price. Seeing minus 125 out there as well with the Atlanta Braves anywhere between plus 105 and plus 113. Freed has just been up and down very much this year. But with Tyler McGill, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression that comes in with him. He has been amazing in his starts. He's given up three home runs over the course of 30 innings. Just a 1 0 record, but a 210 ERA across six starts. He's been given up right around three walks for nine innings. Has been a little bit lucky on the fly ball though so, and has given up a grand total of two runs across his four starts ...most recently, so that is something that I just don't think is going to be sustainable. You take a look at the mess, they have scored either 3 or 4 runs in 4 out of his last 5 starts as well, so it's not like he's getting a ton of run support. Meanwhile, you take a look at Mr. Freed, giving up about 1.1 home runs per 9 innings, 3.2 walks per 9. He's giving you 9 strikeouts per 9 innings, so very, I guess you could call them cookie-cutter numbers. Not necessarily great, not necessarily terrible... And where he's really been faltering is on the road. A 6.55 ERA. He has just been giving it up time and time again. Whenever he's away from Atlanta, giving up seven out of his ten home runs on the road in just 33 innings. Opponents are getting a 3.33 off of him. And then you take a look at this Mets lineup. It is not necessarily one that's great, but at the same time, it is getting better because you've got guys like JD Davis along, Jeff McNeil back the fold McNeil along with Pete Alonso, Dom Smith. Thomas Nito, you're able to throw in there. James McCann as well. All oh, guys in between a 248 and a 267. And for Pete Alonso, 22 home runs so far this year. But ever since the All-Star break in the home run derby, he has been very hot for this team Luis calorme He has been able to hit about a 300 for this bunch of long with Brandon Nimmo as well. for the Atlanta Braves, they seem to be gaining a little bit of traction. A team that has yet to get above 500 for a single day this year. Well, they are on the verge of being able to do so if they're able to win a few more games. Freddie Freeman hitting a two ninety for this team, three ninety four on base. He has been able to go deep 23 times so far this year. How about Ozzie? I'll be 17 home runs. He's hitting right around a 264 for this bunch. Ahir Adrianza is hitting at two fifty, to James V. Swanson. Not necessarily doing a great job of getting on base. He and Jack Peterson need to pick it up with their two thirty five to two forty five batting averages. But both of these gentlemen, a double digit amount of with Swanson being able to give you 17. And then you've got Guillermo Redia. 325 on base. He has been solid. And for the Atlanta Braves, bullpen to begin the year have been really bad, but Luke Jackson has been a constant for this team. Guys like Josh Tomlin, along with Edgar Santana, have been able to rein it in quite a bit. And for the Mets, while their bullpen was very good at the beginning of the year, Miguel Castro has been used up quite a bit. His ERA shot up to a 3-5. You could tell that Juricic Familia is just not looking good out there. South Lugo is right around 4 ERA. It's been dropping ever since he came off the injured list, but certainly hasn't necessarily been great. Drew Smith, his sub-3 ERA, I think is built on sand a little bit. And, well, they didn't get a great start out of Jared Eikhoff, so they had to dig into that quite a bit. I do think that the Atlanta Braves are going to be able to get a a little bit of a better form of max freight than we've seen in previous starts. I did wind up setting the total at 8.7, so we are going to be taking this total over. I wound up setting the Atlanta Braves as a very slight favorite here, so we're going to ride with the problems to go along with that over. Now to 7.908 on the bagging board, the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and they are on to the road face off against the Chicago Cubs. Zach Davies is going to be going for the Cubs. Tyler Mulley is going to be going for the Reds. Reds are very slight favorites. Anywhere between minus 108 and minus 115. If you're looking at the Cubs, you're finding them anywhere between minus 105 and plus 103. Currently we have no numbers up on this total because it is a game out there in Wrigley Field and you've got just uncertainty when it comes to the win. Right now, what I'm seeing in this game is that it's going to be blowing out for a little bit of time and then it's going to be blowing in a little bit. So you've got very much changing wind direction. So if you're taking a look at this one, it is going to be very fascinating to take a look. I have come out with a initial number on this of an 8.4, so an 8 or lower going to be taking a look at the over. a Fryer or be taking a look at the under And for the Cubs. I think the key here is what sort of command are you going to be able to get out of Zach Davies? He is not a swing and miss guy. A gentleman that is averaging right around Five and a half to six strikeouts right per nine innings, but he's kept the ball in the yard. He's given up right around .75 home runs per nine innings. You take a look at what he's been able to do at home so far this year: four one nine ERA across eleven starts. He has given up eight out of his nine home runs when he's been at Wrigley, but he's been able to do a good job of be able to keep things. In line a little bit more because on the road he's given up nearly six walks per nine innings. At home, that drops him more around about a 3.7, 3.8. Meanwhile, you take a look at Tyler Molly, he is a guy that deals with walks issues as well, right around three and a half walks per nine innings, but by and large has been able to do an absolutely superb job on the road. 226 ERA, 5 and 1 record across 11 starts, giving up three home runs at 59 and two thirds innings, and opponents are earning a buck 89 off of him. And for the Cincinnati Reds, this is a team that has been dealing with not having Nick Castellanos in the lineup, but you still have some good bats as Jesse Winker is a guy that is hitting well above a 300 has gone deep 21 times so far this year Joey Votto despite spending some time on the injured list he's got 16 home runs and if you're looking at it Votto along Tucker Barnard Trevor Stevenson all these guys north of a 360 on base Jonathan India has a 400 on base he's been hitting very well on the road Eugenio Suarez is only hitting about a buck 70 but he's got 18 bombs for the team as well and then you take a look at what you've been able to get out of these Chicago Cubs and You've been able to get some good production out of guys like Javi Baez whenever he winds up pinch hitting. Nico Horner has taken his spot at shortstop the last few days, hitting about a 305. Wilson Contreras has been able to give you a double digit amount of homers, hitting only about a 240, but has a 350 on base 16 home runs. You gotta wonder if he's gonna be there at weeks end. Chris Bryant is a guy that's hitting a 270. We know that teams are knocking on his door as well. Anthony Rizzo, this goes on and on. Craig Kimbrel has been amazing out of the bullpen. He has been able to convert pretty much every one of his save opportunities. Uh, 23 going into yesterday's contest with a 49 ERA. But rest of the bullpen pieces for the Cubs have not necessarily been too terrific. This is a team that overall for the year has a top-six bullpen ERA, but over the last three days, they've been in the bottom half of the league. Guile Ryan is someone that has not necessarily been able to do a great job. Adam Morgan, Ryan Tapera, able to throw in there a guy like a Rex Brothers. These guys have been faltering. And for the Reds, you don't have a lot of faith in this bullpen either. Amir Garrett has an ERA that's hovering right around a 675. Sean Doolittle has not necessarily been too great this year, along with Ryan Hendricks. Josh Osich going into the All-Star break at a sub-2 ERA. Now it is a north of 5 ERA. Tony Santian was a little bit of a starter at the beginning of the year. He hasn't necessarily been able to do the job, but I do take a look at this spot. I do think that you're going to get a very good start out of Tyler Molly here. The question is, is the bullpen going to be able to hold up? I want to making it so that way... Pretty much any plus price here with the Reds would do it for me. Unfortunately, they are the favorites. So, set the Cubs as a minus 102 favorite, getting them at even money, plus money in a few spots. I'm actually going to take a shot on them. And like I said, 8 or lower going to be taking a look at the over. 8.5 or higher are going to be taking a look at the under. 9.09, 9.10 on the betting board. And the San Francisco Giants, and they're going to be playing against the LA Dodgers. Walker Buehler is going to be going for the Dodgers. Anthony D Scalfani is going to be on the bump for the Yantes. 7.5 is your total over and under anywhere between minus one and five minus 115. If you're looking at the Dodgers, you're going to be getting them anywhere between minus 145 and minus 150. Meanwhile, on the Iante. so You're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 130 and plus 136. Now, Anthony de Scalfani has had one big bugaboo team so far this year. That is the LA Dodgers, but the LA Dodgers are not coming in in great recent form. Walker Buehler has been able to do a nice job all year long. He's given up right around 0.95 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine, that is a little bit above two, but I take a look at Walker Buehler as well. And He has been absolutely tremendous recently. You take a look at him, and two of these starts wound up coming up against the San Francisco Giants, but in his last five starts, he has given up a combined six earned runs. Meanwhile, you take a look at D. Scalfani on the other side. He's actually been better on the road than he has been at home. Home ERA of a 360, road ERA of a 250, but I think that that's a small sample size. He's only had 7 home starts so far this year, giving up 3 home runs and 8 walks over the course of 4 innings. and he had 1 bad start against the Dodgers, in which I believe that he wound up giving up 9 or 10 runs. That really threw things out of sorts. And then you take a look at this Dodgers bullpen. It has been a little bit depleted recently, but the good news is they did wind up getting back Jimmy Nelson. That should be able to help them out. Blake Trine is a guy that you're able to trust him. but guys like Mitch White, Alex Vizia, I really his numbers are good, but Phil Bickford, these are guys that you don't want to necessarily be relying upon down the home stretch. And then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants. Jarlin Garcia has been very good for the team. Dominique Leone has been able to give you some solid innings. It looks like they're going to be dealing with having Jake McGee on the injured list for a little bit, but Jose Alvarez is someone that you're able to look to as well. And for the San Francisco Giants, this is a very solid offense, despite the fact that they are without Brandon Belt. They're still without Brandon Crawford. But Buster Posey, 323 batting average. He has been masterful for the team. And then you take a look at Posey, Mikey Sramsky, Darren Ruff, Wilmer Flores, Lamonte Wade. All these guys, at least 10 home runs so far this year. For Ruff, he's getting a home run every 13.3 at-bats at this point. Donovan Solano is hitting about at two sixty five for the team. Thario Estrada, he has been incredible, hitting well above a .300. And then for the Dodgers, they wind up getting back Max Muncy off the paternity list as he, Chris Taylor, Justin Turner down for what? Will Smith and A.J. Pollock all have at least 13 home runs so far this season and for pretty much all these guys, except for Will Smith, they're only above a 270. Now, the big issue for the team is that they have been dealing with some injuries, especially in the outfield Mookie Betts currently on the injured list, so Billy McKinney and Luke Rayley are right now getting starts. That is not necessarily what you want. Starting pitching advantage certainly goes to the LA Dodgers here, which is why I did wind up setting them as a favorite in this spot, but I do think that the bullpen favors the San Francisco Giants, and overall, I have them with a little bit of an edge here. Did wind up saying this total at 7.6, so I'm going to be taking this over. I just think that we've got a a little bit too low of a total considering how both of these offenses have been playing so far this year. And in this spot, I was willing to take the Giants as long as I was able to get at least a plus one thirty. We have gotten that. So gonna be taking the Giants and this total over. 911, 912 on the banking board. The Detroit Tigers are gonna be in the road to face off against the Minnesota Twins. J.A. Oops and be J.A. boo. as we talked about this game a little bit earlier with our good buddy Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. the old man who bets, and he's going to be going for the Twins. Willie Peralta is going to be on the bump for the Detroit Tigers. Tallest game is 10.5. With the over, it's anywhere between minus 110 and minus 1,500. It's anywhere between minus 105, minus 110, if you're looking at the Twins. And we're between minus 143 and minus 150. Meanwhile, for the Tigres, it's anywhere between plus 130 and plus 135. I want to make this to where I needed at least a plus 146. To take a shot here on the Tigers, we just have not been able to get there, and I did wind up saying this all nine point eight. I set this a little bit lower because with Willie Peralta, do I think that there's going to be a little bit of regression? Yes, but at the same time, with the Minnesota Twins, this is an offense that has been struggling a little bit ever since they wound up getting. Nelson Cruz on the fold as well. They were able to have a nice outburst yesterday. You do have quite a few guys hanging in that pocket of between, I would say, about a 240 and a 250. You've got Mitch Garver, Williams, Estadio, along with Josh Donaldson all in that fold, and what a Polanco has been able to lift above that. He's hitting right around a 265, and for Garver, double-digit amount of home runs despite the fact that he has spent quite a bit of the season on the injured list. He's averaging a home run every, I would say, about 12 or so at-bats. Josh Donaldson has won deep 16 times. 360 on base, but Miguel Sano has had a little bit of an up and down year. Got hot with regards to home runs in late May, early June. Has not necessarily been able to belt out too many recently. You've got Gilberto Cesino sitting right around buck 40, and Dalton Simmons is sitting at 220. You've had Trevor Larnage be able to give you a little bit of something recently, but he's been out of the fold in recent days. And for the Detroit Tigers, I do like what you've been able to get out of quite a few of the top end guys in this lineup, as Akil Badu, Robbie Grossman, Jameer Candelario, all between a 345 and a 360 on base. Grossman, along with Eric Haas, Johnson Scope, all giving you between 15 and 18 home runs so far this year. And Badu wound up hitting double digits yesterday as well. You've got a couple guys like Zach Short, Victor Diaz, along with Willie Castro, hitting a 220 or lower. But by and large, this is a Tigers team that after a really bad start to the year, they've been able to kick it up with their bats. Now, the bullpens of both of these teams, they're not necessarily too terrific. Kyle Foncouser has been able to give you some good innings with the Tigers, they just playing Michael Former off the angel list in a relief role, he's actually been halfway decent as a starter. It was a complete and utter hot mess. You've got Gregory Soto who's able to give you some good innings and then we were talking about it with Jeff as well. Who knows what we're going to be able to get out of Taylor Rogers if he's going to be on the roster moving forward as it looks like he's probably going to be traded if not by the end of the night on Tuesday, probably on Wednesday. So that is an interesting situation. He's currently not listed as being available for them. So you have to rely upon guys like Ode Alcala, Enzo Robles, Caleb Theobar, a lot of guys with four-ish ERAs. So that is a little bit of an interesting circumstance and you do take a look at Jay App. the numbers have not been great for him. He has given up 21 home runs in 95 and a third innings, but what you also find with Jay App is that even though he's given up all these runs, the team just keeps on winning. It's just absolutely amazing what we've seen as the Minnesota Twins are currently 4-2 and two in his last six starts, and in those starts, he's allowed at least three runs in all but one of them, in which he gave up two runs. So, you've got a lot of that going on. A 7.03 ERA here in the month of July, but he's been able to overcome it somehow, some way. He's given up seven home runs in his last four starts, so it has been really remarkable to see. And I do think Willie Peralta is going to be able to give you a good spirited effort, but I do think that there's a chance that we might wind up seeing a piece or two from the Detroit Tigers wind up getting traded. I think that this is just a little bit too much as well because as we know, Minnesota is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, so I'm going to be diving under in this spot. And with the Minnesota Twins, I'm going to be taking them because I was willing to lay up to about a minus 146, minus 147. If you're looking. At the run line that is anywhere between a plus 120 and a plus 120, in order to take the twins' run line in the spot, I needed right around a plus 130. So I'm gonna play it safe, gonna take the money line, and I'm gonna be going under 913, 914 on the bang bar. Usen an Astros it the road face off against the Seattle Mariners. Yusei Kikuchi is going to be going for the M's. Jake Odorizzi is going to be on the bump for the Stroves. Astros find themselves anywhere between minus 128 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Mariners, going to be getting them anywhere between a plus 119 and a plus 120, seeing a plus 115 at Drive Kings as well. In is your turtle. Over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. Want to make in the Astros minus 141 favorites. The Seattle Mariners have had a great run to the season, and I was setting them more around a minus 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 130 before we wound up seeing the news that Kendall Graveman wound up getting traded and he has quite honestly been one of the best relievers in all of baseball. Not having his services, that is going to be tough. Abraham Toro is going to be available for the Seattle Mariners it looks like in this game. He's been able to give a little bit of pop to the Houston Astros. Really tore it up at the AAA level here at the big league level. Not necessarily so great and Jake Odorizzi is a guy that's a little bit of a 3-5 record, 423 ERA, but he has been able to do a better job on the road than he has been able to do at home. His road ERA is about a point Lower than his home ERA. All three of his wins have come away from Houston, giving up three home runs at 28 two-thirds innings on the road, and an opponents are a buck 82 off of him. Meanwhile, Yusei Kikuchi is the exact opposite. He is someone that at home has been worse than he has been on the road. Four and two, f- three fifty-three ERA. When he's been on the road at home, four forty-four ERA, two and three record. I guess that makes it the same, but in this instance, typically you find a guy that should be a little bit better at home, but that is certainly not the case. So you've got sort of a reversal there. If that makes any sense whatsoever. It probably doesn't but we move on by saying that Kikuchi so far in Seattle so far this year has given up 9 home runs in 50 and 2 thirds innings. His strikeouts per 9 numbers are actually relatively solid. Right around 10 punch shots per 9 innings but he also gives out the free pass a little bit as well. He has given up right in the realm of about 3.3 walks per 9 innings now that Seattle bullpen is a little bit more depleted. Now the good news is they also got rid of Rafael Montero in his 70 RA so that actually helps the team out a little bit but you're going to be looking to more like Joe Smith, Paul Seawall, Drew Second Rider, even Eric Swanson moving forward Meanwhile for the Astros, they do wind up Getting Mr. Grayman, who I was mentioning a little bit Earlier, Ryan Presley has been very good For this team, Brooks Raley, he's gone off the rails He's not very good, I don't have a lot of faith in Austin Pro, but even a guy like Ryan Stanek is able To come through, and then you just take a look at this Astros Lineup, you've got a whole bunch of Mashers on the scene, Michael Brantley hitting a 331, he has been able to do a tremendous job With that regard, and then you've got Jordan Alvarez, Carlos Correa, Kyle Tucker, along with Jose Altuve, All hitting at least a 270 and all giving you at least 16 home runs. The only Gary Elton bombs he's been able to hit at 311, and then you've got all of Mendes Diaz hitting at 280 for the team. Limited sample size, but he's been terrific. Miles Straw, 15 stolen bases, 260 batting average, and for the Mariners, they need Toro because well, they are right now deadliest in the big leagues when it comes to batting average. You take a look at the starting lineup that they threw out there yesterday. Three guys hitting above a 225 right now. Now, Lewis Torrens, a guy that's sitting at 223, he has actually been relatively solid. He's hitting right around at 275 in the month of July. He's been able to go deep a couple times, but he along with Jake Bowers, Kyle Seager, Cal Raleigh, Jared Kelnick, Shed Long, Dylan Moore, list goes on and on of guys that are hitting a two twenty-three or lower for this team. JP Crawford hitting at two He has been solid. Mitch Hanager, 25 home runs. He has been amazing. And I will say for Kyle Seager, not a great batting average, but 19 home runs so far this year. Ty France, T75 batting average, but I do think that this is going to be a good start for Odorizzi. He's been his be- at his best on the road, so I think that he's going to be able to deliver once again, so I'm going to be taking the Astros on the money line. Both of these pitchers are guys that wind up giving up runs as well. I wound up setting this all at 9.5, so we're going to be taking the over along the Houston Astros. 9.15, 9.16 on the betting board. This was supposed to be the Toronto Blue Jays against the Boston Red Sox. That was a singular game. We've now got a doubleheader that is slated for 931, 932, and 933, 934. So I'm actually going to hit those games at the end. 917, 918 on the betting board. The New York Yankees at the road off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Michael Waka, or as I like to call him, Michael Waka, 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 using the dying Pac-Man voice for him. Goes for the race. Meanwhile, one Nestor Cortez is going to be going for the Yankees. So, on this game is anywhere between eight and a half and nine. On the eight and a half, overs anywhere between minus one ten and minus one twenty-five. Under is anywhere between plus one and and minus one ten. If you're looking at a nine. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. For Cortez, I needed a plus 136 to be able to take a shot on him. Right now, we are sitting to where I'd be taking a look at the race. I am willing to lay up to a minus 136 in this spot. With Michael Waka. certainly has been a little bit of an up and down year, but as the Rays seem to always do, they've done a great job with their pitchers right now for Waka. 14 home runs given up in 66 in a third innings. That is far from terrific. He has given up, though, three runs or fewer and now four out of his last six starts. So he's been able to rein it in a little bit there. The deep ball has really been hurting him as he has given up eight home runs in his last four starts, but he's also going up against the New York Yankees bunch. Of, well, the offense has not necessarily been too terrific this year, and I think that I'm putting it very politely. Good news is Aaron Judge is back in the fold for this team, and boy do they need him. Entered into yesterday with 21 home runs hitting right around 280. He has been by far the best bat for this team all year long. You've got DJ Lemayu, Giancarlo San, Gio Urshela. trio of guys hitting between a 260 and a 280. And with DJ LeMayu 350 on base, so he's been solid there, but Giancarlo San Even though he's hitting right around 260, you just need a little bit more power in general out of him. You just, you're not paying a guy to give you right now, I believe it's two home runs in the month of July he's making $300 million, and he's giving you two home runs this month. It has not been good from Rudin Adedora has actually picked it up a little bit for the scene, but they're still trotting out there. A couple men of mystery, like Ryan Lamar in the lineup. Greg Allen has actually been halfway decent for the scene, but a small sample size and for the Tampa Bay Rays. They pick up Nelson Cruz, a guy that's got 20 home runs. He's got a three sixty-five on base, so he's been able to do a very nice job there. you have got quite a few guys in between, I would say about a two fifty and a two sixty-five D-Man Randy Odozorena, Manuel Margot are all falling in that fold along The Yandy Diaz, and with Diaz along J man Choi, both of these guys north of a 360 on base. Brandon Lyle along Mike Zanino, neither of these guys hitting above a 225, but both of these guys a combined north of 40 home runs, Lyle 22 by himself, and for the Tampa Bay Rays, they outgun the Yankees when it comes to overall bullpen depth. You've got a to Shaman who seems to be coming back in a form for the team. Jonathan Velizica, other than his blow up over the weekend against the Red Sox, has been relatively solid. But when you take a look at having Andrew Kittredge, Ryan Sheriff, who I think is going to be able to lower his ERA after coming off the injured list, Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen, along with Pete Fairbanks, Diego Cassio. List goes on and on. This team is going to be amazing with that regard. And then when you take a look at Nestor Cortez, has been able to do a good job in a small sample size as a starter in his two starts. He winds up giving up one combined run over the course of seven innings he has been good as a reliever buck 97 ERA here's a question though how long is he going to be able to go probably in my opinion about four-ish innings you maybe get a little bit more you maybe get a little bit less and a little bit of a concern as well as that he gives up right around 3.3 bucks per nine innings so in this spot going to be taking a look at the Tampa Bay Rays when it comes to the total I want to sing at 9.2 so I'm going to be going with an over along with the Rays 919 920 on the bank board the Chicago White Sox hit the road to face off against the Kansas City Rays Chris with the K. Bubich is going to be going for the Royals. Lucas Gilito is going to be going for the White Sox. White Sox are finding themselves as big favorites. Anywhere between a minus 173 and a minus 180. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the plus price here with the Royals, you're going to be getting that anywhere between a plus 155 and a plus 163. 10 is your total. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 is the juice on both the over and the under. Seeing a straight nine and a half out there as well. That over is minus 115. Juicy under is minus 105. Boobich has been one of the more inconsistent pitchers. They're going to. To find all year long and Lucas Giolito himself has been a little bit up and down. You take a look at Mr. Giolito, and 7 record, 378 ERA. Now you wind up having just an absolutely abysmal start earlier in the year against the Boston Red Sox that then throw his numbers in for a little bit of a loop, especially his road numbers. One inning he gave up eight runs, seven of which were earned. That was just absolutely terrible. You take a look at what he's been able to do here in the month of July in his last three starts. He has actually been very good. Giving up a combined four runs in those last three starts. Team winds up going 2 and 1 as he winds up giving up one run in six innings against the Brewers. And then the Brewers, I think, after he wound up going out of the game, wound up putting up a touchdown minus the extra point after that. If you wind up throwing out his start against the Boston Red Sox earlier in the year, this is someone that has a road ERA that's hovering right around a 3 5 ish. So he's been able to do a solid job of holding down the fork, giving up a little bit over a home run per nine innings. Overall, opponent starting at 222 off of him. And then for Bubic, 472 ERA. Deep ball has really been hurting him. This is a gentleman that's giving up just under two home runs per nine innings. You take a look at the recent form. Hasn't necessarily been too bad, and overall at home he's been good. He has made five starts, nine total appearances at home. 2-0 record, three oh seven ERA, Giving up three home runs of 41 and a third innings. are earning about a 250 off of him. That's a little bit high end. The 4.2 walks per nine innings, that is not necessarily what you like to see, but for Mr. Bubich, he has given up a combined two runs in his last 12 innings. So, that is something that you do like to see. At home he has just been a completely different pitcher. Now with the Kansas City Royals, the bullpen that began the year very solid is not anymore. Josh Sheemount has come back to earth a little bit. Greg Holland, you can tell that he is getting very, very old. Wade Davis, he has just been a mess all year long. Ryan Lovelady is someone that you don't want to be trusting. in. Domingo Tapia, I have no faith in him. You've got Jake Prince and Scott Barlow who you're able to trust in. And for the White Sox, their bullpen has been a little bit shaky as well. Garrett Crochet, since the beginning of the month of June, certainly north of a 4-5 ERA that is a little bit brutal. Liam Hendricks, he has been solid. Cody Hoyer, not a guy that I have a lot of faith. Him, but Jose Ruiz has been able to do a good job right around a 3-ish ERA. Ryan Burr has been solid for the team. And then when you take a look at the White Sox, this bunch has overcome so many injuries this year. Now that they've got Eloy Jimenez back in the fold, that should be able to help them out. He hasn't necessarily done a lot in his very small sample size. But once again, I think he's been back for now two games. So give that a little bit of time. Got a lot of guys hitting between, I would say, about a 245 and a 260. Laurie Garcia, you are able to throw in there. Brian Goodwin, Andrew Vaughn. Jose Abreu as well. Abreu is in the top 5 when it comes to ERA. He's been able to belt out 18 home runs. Sam Anderson, batting champ from 2019. Hitting a 300 for the team. And then for the Kansas City Royals. Jorge Soler, six home runs in the team's last seven games. This has come from absolutely nowhere whatsoever. He's been able to pick it up, and they've got Whit Merrifield, Andrew Benatendi, along with Nicky Lopez, you're able to throw in there, Enzo Alberto, all guys in between a 265 and a 280, so a lot of guys are able to get on base. Salvador Perez is in that fold as well, and for Perez, he has been able to give the team 23 home runs and north of 60 RBI. so he's been solid with that regard, and for the Royals, this is a team that actually started out the year really well, went as cold as ice, in the months of, I would say, June into middle July. And ever since then, going into yesterday, they had won five straight games. It feels like they've got a little bit of mojo on their side. Needed at least a plus 163 to take a shot on them. Westgate currently has a plus 163. So I'm going to be taking a plus money price here on the Royals. Set this all 9.2 as well. So we're going to be diving under along with the Royals. 921, 922 on the betting bar. The St. Louis Cardinals at the road to face off against the Cleveland Indians. Zach Plisak is going to be going for the Windy Kwon Young Kim is going to be going for the St. Louis Cardinals. John's game is 9. Under Zenny work between minus 105, minus 120. Over any between even and minus 115. If you're looking at the Windians, anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120, the future Guardians. And if you're taking a look at the St. Louis Cardinals, anywhere between even money and plus 103. And with Kwon Young Kim, he has been able to do a solid job this year when it comes to when he's been at full health. You could tell that there was a period in I think it was like early June in which he was giving out a bunch of walks. You can tell that he was not at 100%, but overall this year has done a great job of being able to limit our contact right around .65 home runs per nine innings. He is allowed to combine three runs in his last five starts all of which have been north of five innings. And it's not like he was going up against Bums as well. The Cubs twice, the Giants twice, the the Diamondbacks are Bums, but with that said, he's been able to do a great job there. And you take a look at Kwon Young Kim at the strikeout numbers, not great. He's going to give you right around 7.2 strikeouts per nine innings, but has done a very good job of being able to give this team a chance to win night in and night out. And on the road, a 2.97 ERA, The 2-4 record doesn't speak to how well he's pitched away from St. Louis. Meanwhile, you take a look at Plesek. Since coming off the injured list, it has been a little bit of a trial and tribulation. He's made three starts. He has given up three, two, and four runs in those starts. He has only given up three walks, so the home runs have certainly been a little bit of an issue for him as this is a gentleman that has given up nine home runs overall in his last five starts, saying back to prior to him going on the injured list, and strikeout numbers are not there. Four punch-outs are fewer in each out of his last five starts, and overall this year, he is getting fewer than six strikeouts per nine innings, but with that said, he does a good job of being able to keep his team in games for the St. Louis Cardinals. This is an offense that was able to emerge shorts back after their series against the Cincinnati Reds. They have not been able to do a lot recently, though. About two-thirds of their games have went under since the middle of June, but you do have quite a few guys to do a good job would be able to get on base. Paul Goldschmidt, Tyler O'Neill, pair of guys hitting at 270, pair of guys that have been able to give you 17 home runs so far this year. Dylan Carlson, Nolan Arenado, Yadier Molina, Tommy Edmund, all these guys hanging between a 247 and a 257 with Carlson right around a 335 on base. We all know what Yadier Molina is able to do behind the plate as well, but you've got guys like a Paul DeYoung, Matt Carpenter, Jose Rondon that need to pick it up. Meanwhile, for the Cleveland Indians, the offense has actually been able to do a halfway decent job. amid Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Harold Ramirez along with Framio Reyes. lying between a 254 and a 265 for Jose Ramirez along with Framio Reyes. These guys have been able to do a good job of being able to supply the boom. Jose has been able to give you 21 home runs. Framio Reyes, 17 home runs but more impressively than that, he's averaging about a home run every 12 and a half at bat. So, he's been able to do a nice job of be able to hold down the fourth. Now you need to get a little bit more on the bottom of the lineup. Bobby Bradley, Roberto Perez, new outfielder Daniel Johnson, Yu Chang. These guys are hitting a 210 or lower but with the Indians. I do like their bullpen a little bit more in this spot. You've got James Karincheck along with Emmanuel Classe, who have been very good for the team all year long. Cal Quantrill has been elevated to the starters role, so you've seen Nick Samlin come into more appearances and has been solid in those now. Nick Wickren, not necessarily having a great year in general, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, you've got a couple trustworthy relievers. Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera, sub-3 ERAs with them, and Alex Reyes has been absolutely amazing for this team. I will say Ryan Elsley has been able to step up. Meanwhile, Gallegos, and Cabrera. They're starting to sink a little bit. TJ McFarlane, a guy that I have any faith in whatsoever as well. The Millers, Andrew, and Justin Miller. These guys have not necessarily been too terrific so far this year. So, a little bit of a recipe situation. I do like the way that Harrison Bader has been able to come on for the team, and Adam Wainwright was able to lend a very good start yesterday, but I think that Plesak is going to be able to do a good job of keeping the ball in the yard in this spot. I will end up setting the solo at 8.4 as a result, so we're going to be going under and made the Indians a minus 124 favorite. So, going Indians and under here. 923, 924 on the banging board. The Oakland A's hit the road to face off against the Slam Diego Padres. Blake Sellers is going to be going for the pods. Sean is going to be on the bump for the Oakland A's. Oakland is finding themselves as underdogs here. You're going to be getting them in between a plus 123 and a plus 132. Meanwhile, if you're looking at Slam Diego, you're going to be getting them in between minus 133 and minus 150. Seeing some shifting numbers as I do this as the total is 8 over and under. and between even money and minus 120, so you've got quite the range there. And when it comes to Blake Snell, this has been a man that has been masterful at home. He's looked like a Cy Young candidate at home. On the road, he has been absolutely terrible, and you want no part of him. When he winds up hitting the road, but sell. You take a look at what he's been able to do at home so far this year. A sub-2 ERA. The strikeouts per nine is just absolutely blowing you as w- away as well. He's given you north of 12 strikeouts per nine innings whenever he's been in San Diego. Three home runs given up in 30, 72 thirds innings. Opponents are buck sixty-seven off of him. 802 ERA on the road. So very different there. Meanwhile, you take a look at Sean Manea. He has been incredibly consistent for the Oakland A's. He deserves better than a 7-6 record. And the team has lost three out of his last five stars, But... That's not necessarily his fault. All of these starts in which he wound up losing, team wound up putting up three runs or fewer in support of him, and they have scored more than four runs in just... Two out of his last seven starts. So the Oakland A's have been playing a lot of unders when Sean Manet has been on the mound, but you take a look at him on the road. 3-4 and four record, but at 294 ERA across nine starts, has given up five home runs at 52 innings, and opponents are at 212 off of him. So he has certainly done his part. And the Oakland A's have a very good bullpen. Dionis Carrera has been able to give you some good innings. Jake Diekman has been solid. He yes, has been up and down, but Sergio Romo has been able to do a very good job ever since having a rough go of it in the first month, month and a half of the season. Trevino a 2 ERA as well. And then you take a look the Padres. They are in the top five in pretty much every bullpen metric, including ERA. Mark Melanson leads the league in saves. Emilio Pagan has had a little bit of an up and down season, but still a 3-5 ERA firm. Drew Pomerantz, Craig Salmon. These guys have been able to give you some great innings. And then you take a look at the Padres. They wind up adding in there Adam Frazier, who was leading the National League in hits prior to getting traded to the San Diego Padres. Fernando Tatis Jr. Hopefully will be hitting fewer solo shots. Going into yesterday at 30 home runs, 21 of those of the solo variety. And then you Tommy Pham, Trent Grisham, Jake Cronenworth. Trio of guys hitting between a 260 and a 275. Trio of guys with between 11 and 13 home runs, Mainly Machado since the beginning of the month of June. He has been white hot, Hitting well above a 300 ever since the beginning of the month of June. 17 home runs overall for the year. Then you take a look at the Oakland A's. They've got a lot of guys doing a good job of being reach base for this team as well. Jed Lowry, Marcana hitting between a 255 and a 260. Matt Olson has right around a 370-ish on base, 285 batting average. 27 home runs. Roman Laureano's gone deep 14 times for this team. Now, you do need a little bit more when it comes to the batting average of Sean Murphy, Seth Brown, and Matt Chapman, but all these guys have been able to give you approximately 12 home runs. No more, no less this season going into... Tuesday as well, so you've been able to get a little bit of something there with Manea. I think that he's going to be able to deliver a relatively solid start here. I need a plus 146 to be able to take a shot here. The numbers continue to get better and better on the San Diego Padres, so I'm going to be looking at them on the money line, getting them at minus 133 with how dominant it's been in San Diego, something that appeals to me. Also wanted to say 7.7, so going under a of Padres. 925, 926 on the banking board. The Miami Marlins hit the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Ode Lopez is going to be going for the Rory Jordan Holloway is going to be going for the Miami Marlins. Marlins were looking like they were going to be going Zach Thompson The switch Holloway as this game completely off the board. But I can tell you right now, set the Marlins as a minus 126 favorite. Set this all at 10.2, so a 10 or lower are going to be taking a look at the over. Ned and Afra are going to be taking a look at the under for the Baltimore Orioles. They wound up getting tattooed very early in their game against the Miami Marlins, and that caused quite a bit of bullpen usage as Spencer Watkins only lasts four innings. So that is not necessarily too terrific. They wound up having to go to the bullpen and using up Adam Plutko, which is not necessarily what you want. Now, I will say Cole Sulzer, Tanner Scott, pair of guys with a sub-3-5 ERA. And when you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles, the offense has been able to ignite for this team. Austin, the Saves kid, along with Ryan Moncastle, in between a 245 and a 250 for Castle, 16 home runs. Cedric Mullins, Trey Boom Mancini, they both have been able to give you 16-plus home runs so far this season, so they've been able to do a good job. Ramon Odias. 275 batting average, and for Mullins, a 380 on base, getting back to him. And then you've got a lot of guys towards the bottom of the fold that are not holding up. DJ Stewart, Domingo Leiba, Miguel Franco, Austin Wins, Pat Faleka, CV Wilkerson, who we haven't seen in an eon. All these guys didn't at 220 or lower. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Miami Marlins. You've got the Marte Parte of Starling Marte, 400 on base. He has been selling Miguel Ross. Jesus Aguiar along with Brian Anderson in between a 259 and a 269. For Aguiar, he and Adam Duvall, 17-plus homers north of 65 RBI from both of these gentlemen, so that has been solid. But once again, a couple of slugs in this lineup as well. Izan Diaz, Monte Harrison, Luis Diaz, along with Sandy Leon, all in a sub-200, but Sandy Leon, a three-run homer yesterday, so that was solid. And Luis Garcia was able to get deep as well, so you were able to get a little bit of something there, and I will say for the Miami Marlins, it was critical that they were able to get a good start out of Sandy Alcantara yesterday as they have been using up their bullpen quite a bit but got some solid arms here. Emi Garcia, Don Floro, former Dodgers have been able to do it all year long with Holloway. This is a guy that you gotta figure he's probably gonna give you right around four-ish innings. He was able to go five against the Philadelphia Phillies about a week or so ago. Looked very solid with that end. You take a look at Holloway he has made, in his last five appearances, only one start. A lot of these have been three-plus innings, but he's given up zero runs in three out of his last five appearances. It certainly is a little bit of because in those appearances as well, he had five-plus walks in two of them, so there is that. He has given up 22 walks in 33 and a third innings, but he's only given up one home run as well, so there's a good of Jordan Allaway, there's a bad of Jordan Allaway, 3.21 ERA. I trusted him a whole lot more than Mister Ode Lopez. Though Lopez is right now leading the league and losses at two and twelve, 5.84 ERA seems like the first. Even a lot of times, the second time through the lineup, he's fine. And then the third time through, he just gets completely destroyed, which is why you probably want to have Dylan Tate and guys like this on standby because Ore Lopez is able to give you three or four good innings, and then he gets crushed. He has not went past five innings in each out of his last five starts. He has given up four-plus runs in three out of his last five starts, only given up one home run in his last five, which means that he's probably due. So here's that, and he's giving up right around 3.9 walks per nine innings. So I take a look at this spot. Like I said, wound up saying the Marlins right in that pocket of about a minus-126 favorite. Ten or lower going to be taking a look at the over-10, and Afriar are going to be taking a look at the under. 927-928 on the banking board. Got my New York Post play today as the Arizona Diamondbacks hit the road to face off against the Texas Rangers. Things are bigger than in Texas, including the amount of losses that both teams have, as you've got for the Texas Rangers Jordan Lyles and... Madison Bumgarner is going to be going for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, slight underdogs here. Anywhere between minus 105 and even money. If you're looking at the Rangers, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 105. Till on this game is under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. I mentioned it with our good buddy, Jess Sheesby. The Texas Rangers, going into their last game against the Arizona Diamondbacks yesterday, 13 out of their last 14 games, they had scored three runs or fewer, but a team to be able to get right on is the Arizona Diamondbacks, who have the worst bullpen ERA in the National League. And once you know it, the Texas Rangers wind up busting out for five runs prior to the first five being done. So there is that aspect of it. You take a look at the Texas Rangers' Joey Gallas, 25 home runs so far this year. Just one of them have come since the All-Star break, but he had a streak of like 11 home runs in the last... 15 days leading up to the All-Star break. I think that he's going to be able to find Adolis Garcia has just six home runs in the last 60 days as well, but still 22 for the year. He, Isaiah Caner-Falafa along with Nate Lowe all in between a 245 and a 255. Got a couple guys in between, I would say, about a 215 and a 230. Jose Torvino Andy Ibanez, David Dahl, Jonah Heim, Brock Holt is just below that as well, but I do think that a couple of these guys are going to be able to pick it up against this. Just not good Arizona pitching staff in general. The bullpen has not been good. Joe Manette-Tipley has been able to give you some good innings, but the guys Guys that are converted to relievers like Matt Peacock, Jake Feria, guys that went from starter to bullpen, back to starter, back to bullpen. They're just all out of sorts right now. And then you take a look at the on the Diamondbacks. Eduardo Escobar has been very good for the team, hitting right around 245. 22 home runs. That by far leads the team. Josh Rojas has been able to give you 10 bombs as well. He is currently out of the fold. And these are really the only two guys that will be able to give you a double digit amount of formers. Pavin Smith is currently sitting at 9 right now. He's hitting about a 265 for this bunch. And got a couple guys that are in between, I would say, about a... 245 to a 235, you're able to throw in there Andrew Young as Jerbo Cabrera. Just below that is Cole Calhoun as well as David Peralta hitting more like a 255, so he's able to ascend above that. And for the Texas Rangers, they have been having their ups and downs with their relief pitching. You have been able to get a little bit of something out of someone like an Ian Kennedy. Who knows if he winds up getting dealt Brett Barton along with Spencer Penn. These guys have been solid but Jolie Rodriguez is someone that has an ERA that is hovering right around his 6. DeMarcus Evans is a guy that I don't have a lot of faith in. And then you take a look at Madison Bumgarner. Since coming off the injured list, he's actually been halfway decent, giving up a grand total of 2 earned runs in his last 2 starts. Problem is he's given up 5 runs and if you take a look at Madison Bumgarner, he has been the victim of giving up 6 unearned runs so far this season. Most most of them have come recently he has given up five plus runs in two out of his last four starts if you're dating back to prior to him going on the injured list the swing and miss stuff is not really there with him right around nine strikeouts per nine innings nothing great nothing terrible he's given up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings as well so I take a look at the spot and you've got a guy in Jordan Lyles who is giving up the deep ball like crazy 24 home runs in 107 and a third innings that is the second most in the big leagues. Only one with more. Mike Fultonavich of the Texas Rangers, ironically enough. Guy's just been getting absolutely tattooed. Opponents have been able to do a great job of being able to get on base against him, as opponents are hitting a 287 off of him. His walks per nine innings is hovering right around a 2.9 to a three ish. If you're taking a look at him at home, opponents are hitting a 313 off of him. His strikeouts per nine when he's at home. And it's hovering right around a 5.2 as well. So I do think that we're going to be seeing a lot of runs in this spot. I have a little bit more faith in the Texas Rangers bullpen being able to pull this one out, which is why I set them right around a minus 128 favorite. So money line here is going to be on the Rangers, but the New York Post play of the day is the over. I set this all at 9.6, so even if this were to climb to 9.5, would still like it over. I think that both of these teams are just going to be able to bust out with the bats. So New York Post play of the day, the over, and also going with the Rangers on the money line. 929, 930 on the big where the LA Angels are going to be playing. I was the Colorado Rockies. Chichi Gonzalez is gonna be going for the Rockies. Meanwhile, Andreini is gonna be on the bump for the Angels. Angels, big favorites, anywhere between minus two dollars and minus two twenty. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Colorado Rockies, that is anywhere between plus one eighty and plus one ninety six. Nine and a half is your turtle under is Anywhere between minus one ten, minus one twenty, over Zenny between even a minus one ten. For Chichi Gonzalez, it has not been a good year for him so far this year, and it just seems to be getting worse and worse. He's got a six oh six ERA. He's given up one point six home runs per nine nineties, not necessarily giving up a lot of walks, but opponents batting average off of him is pretty stinking high at a 302. If you take a look at him on the road, 670 area. He's made 10 total appearances on the road, 1 in 5 in those giving up 12 home runs in 47 innings. That's a problem when you're going up against Joey Otani, who entered into yesterday with 76 RBI 35 home runs leading the league there. You've got Jared Walsh who's been able to do a great job all year long as well north of 20 home runs wound up getting the day off yesterday but he's been able to do a good job for the team. Phil Gosselin is hitting about a 295 Max Sassy along David Fletcher are hitting right around a 300 and for Fletcher. Really since the beginning of the month of June he has been able to hit well above a 330 now. Got a couple guys like a Juan Lagares, Jack Mayfield, Kurt Suzuki hitting below a 230 for the team. But Mayfield, that's it. A pair of home runs over the last 7 days. You've been able to get some good production out of Jose Iglesias sitting at 285. Then you take a look at the Colorado Rockies. At home, this is a bunch of sitting at 275. They've got the best home batting average out there in the big leagues. Heading into yesterday, 204 road batting average. That is the worst out there in the big leagues. Guys like Brendan Rodgers, Josh Fuentes, Ryan McMahon, All these guys see massive dips when they go home to road. CJ Crone has 14 home runs so far this year. 11 of them have come at Coors Field. Now, I will say for Charlie Blackman, on the road, he's been able to ride around 300, so he's been relatively solid there. And for the Colorado Rockies, you've been able to get a little bit of something out of the bullpen out of Michael Givens. He's been able to do a good job of giving you some scoreless innings for a bad pun there, but guys like a Zach Roscup have not necessarily been too good. Tyler Kinley, north of a 5 ERA with him as well. Justin Lawrence has not been able to put it together, so list goes on and on there. Meanwhile, you take a look at the LA Angels. Rossio Iglesias has been able to do a tremendous job as a closer. Now, you're using Jose Quintana out of the bullpen, and you're using Dylan Bundy as well. pair of uh, failed starters who are not doing a good job out of the pen. Steve Cizek, he's been able to give you some good innings. Junior Geras not, so with the Angels, it's ups and downs with them, but did wind up making them a pretty good favorite here, a minus 173. If you're taking a look at the run line, I'm seeing this anywhere between a minus 110 and a minus 115. I actually feel good enough to take the Angels on the run line. I wound up saying this more around a minus 122 personally, so I'm going to be looking at the run line. Didn't see as much value on the money line, and it did wind up saying this total at 9.2. So this is the spot in which I am going to be taking the Angels on the run line, and I'm going to be taking this total under because I do think that Andrew Heaney is going to be able to give you a good start. Now Heaney, yeah, he has been up and down so far this season because he's a guy that has a 5 ERA as well, but the good news is for one he's going up against the Colorado Rockies so that should be able to help him out, giving up right around 1.5 home runs per 9 innings, but his strikeouts per 9, that's right around 10.8 ish his walks per 9 is right around a 2.9, so he's got good peripheral numbers, I think that he's been getting a little bit unlucky, he has given up 3 runs or fewer in all but 2 of his starts ever since the beginning of the month of June as well, and if you really want to date it back, he has given up 3 runs or fewer, and now 7 out of his last 9 starts being backed up by a bullpen that has been better. And going into the game on Tuesday, the team had given up a combined five runs in their last three games That is the fewest runs that they've given up in a three-game span all season long. I do think that they're coming into form. So, we're going to be taking the under along with the LA Angels on the run line. And now we go to that double dip that's going to be going down between the Boston Red Sox and the Toronto Blue Jays. 931, 932, 933, 934. Doing this without numbers, but we are going to be getting in Game 1 the matchup that we were supposed to get yesterday. Robbie Ray, Garrett Richards... Going at it, Ray for the Blue Jays, Richards for the Boston Red Sox, and then 933-934. The originally slated matchup for today between Steven Metz and Tanner Hook with the Tanner Oak and Steven Matz matchup. When this game wound up going off the board, you were seeing this obviously for a full nine innings, a total of 11 with the juice to the under between minus 115 and minus 120. You were noticing the Red Sox between a minus 136 and a minus 140 favorite with the Blue Jays anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130. When you wound up seeing Ray versus Richards go off the board, we're seeing a total of 11 with the juice to the over between minus 115 and minus 120, and you were seeing Robbie Ray as anywhere between a minus 138 and a minus 145. My favorite, your plus price on the Red Sox in that spot was anywhere between a plus 125 and a plus 132. I wanted making it to where I was going to be able to take the Boston Red Sox yesterday because I wanted saying the Red Sox. In that Robbie Ray versus Garrett Richards matchup. At a plus 128 for the Boston Red Sox. So that is something that I'm going to be taking a look at once again in this matchup. Now you do have to recognize that when it comes to these 7 ending double headers. You're probably going to be seeing a little bit less of these bullpens. But I do think that the Reds bullpen is going to be able to give them a little bit of an advantage. And for Robbie Ray, one bad hit can really cost them because with Robbie Ray, this is a guy that he's giving up just under two home runs per nine innings. Now he's been able to do a great job of being able to limit the walks. For his career, giving out right around four walks per nine innings this year it has been more like 2.3. So I give him a lot of credit there. But when you take a look at this Boston Red Sox bullpen, Garrett Woodlock is someone that's able to give you multiple innings if Garrett Richards gets to destroy it in. I do think that he's going to give up quite a bit. A one. 63 whip. You take a look at opponent's batting average so far this year, it has been very high, especially at Fenway. With regards to his home and road splits, Garrett Richards, 655 home ERA in 7 starts. Opponents are in a 357 off of him. Overall for the year, opponents are in a 294 off of him, and he has been giving up right around 4.2 walks per 9 innings, but Garrett Woodlock is able to give you some good innings. Adam Montavino is going to be rested and ready to go in this one. You've got to feel like you're able to get something out of Phillips Valdes if needed as well. And for the Boston Red Sox, this is a lineup that is very lethal. You've got J.D. Martinez along Xander Bogars. A pair of guys with 15 plus home runs. A pair of guys that are able to hit 300 plus. So I do like what you're getting there. I also do like the fact that you've been able to have Rafael Devers really be able to bust out 27 home runs. He is right now leading the league with 81 RBI, 354 on base. And then you've got a lot of guys towards the bottom of the fold like a Christian Vasquez, Hunter Renfro, guys like this. In between a 250 and a 265. And then you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays. We all know what Vlager Jr. is able to do. This man is hitting a 330 with north of 30 home runs, George Springer has been able to pick it up a little bit as well. Boba Shett along to Oscar Hernandez, a pair of guys hitting at 296. A pair of guys with 15 plus home runs. Randall Grichuk is hitting at 255. He's been able to go deep 18 times as well. Reese McGuire hitting at 275 as well. So got a lot of good pieces there. But with the Blue Jays, they have been hurt by injuries out there in the bullpen. Still without. AJ Cole still without Julian Merriweather but you have been able to get some good production out of Tyler Saucedo he's got a sub 2 ERA like what I'm seeing there Trevor Richards has been able to step up ever since getting traded away from the Milwaukee Brewers Adam Simber is a guy that overall for the year has a 244 ERA they acquired him from the Miami Marlins he's been able to do some good stuff but I do think that in this Richards versus Robbie Ray matchup I wound up setting it for a full 9 inning game with Robbie Ray being a minus 128 favorite I'm going to give them a little bit more credit it here, I want to making Robbie Ray minus 134 cents. You're going to see a little bit less of the bullpen here, but like I mentioned with Robbie Ray, the home run numbers are a little bit concerning, and with both of these matchups. I'm setting it to where a 7.5 or lower is going to be a take on the over. 8 or higher going to be a take on the under in Hook versus Steven Matz. I've right now got Tanner Hook as right around a minus 137 favorite, which means that I'd be willing to take the Blue Jays here if I'm getting a plus 138 or better. With Matz, he has just been up, down, and all around. You don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him. In five records so far this year. He's given up right around 1.35 home runs per 9 innings. His walks per 9 is right around 2.5. But you take a look at his last 5 starts and it has been an adventure. Gives up one run in five and two-thirds innings against the Boston Red Sox. Gives up four runs in two and two-thirds against the Seattle Mariners. Gives up four runs in four innings against the Baltimore Orioles. Five scoreless against the Texas Rangers. And then gives up two runs in five and two-thirds innings against the New York Mets. You just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him night in and night out. And for Tanner Oak he hasn't necessarily made a lot of starts. Has an 0-2 record, but, I mean, he's made two long relief appearances and three starts so far this year. He's got a 2.50 ERA. Has been able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up one walk and four home runs across 18 innings so far this year. If you look at his career, and these numbers are a small sample size, but 35 career innings between last year and this year at the big league level has given up two home runs and has 44 strikeouts. Now, I recognize that at AAA, he hasn't necessarily been as great, but... This is a spot where I default to Tanner Oak. I think that he's going to be able to do a good job in this spot. He's backed up by a solid bullpen. I think that he's going to be able to give the team five strong. The Boston Red Sox are going to be able to eat the last two from there, something that you really can't do as easily with Steven Matz. So Red Sox are a minus 137 favorite in Hook versus Matz. Richards is a plus 134 underdog. Robbie Ray a minus 134 favorite in that matchup. And when it comes to the total in both of these games, 7.5 or lower are going to be taking a look at the over. 8 or higher are going to be taking a look at the under. And that'll wrap things up for the Baseball opening Podcast. On this most wonderful Wednesday, a big thanks to our good friend Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. The Old Man Who bets for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, one of two ways we all throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at jarenscordy1. Keep in mind letters, the they mean does not matter, so always send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you, into there. Always appreciate you guys sending in. Gonna be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.